Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. You are listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction Blog Talk Radio Show, founded to increase the national awareness of black women in the construction industry. NABWIC is the charge and takes the charge for black women to advocate for further opportunities to its members. Our mission as a core foundation is to strengthen the building blocks of new educational, entrepreneurial, professional, and social network connections. The vision of NABWIC is to build long-lasting strategic partnerships with first-rate organizations and individuals that will provide groundbreaking and innovative solutions for black women in construction and their respective communities. We invite you to call or text or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to NABWIC Talks. I am Jada, your NABWIC National Chair, but today I get to be your host. I get you all to myself, and you know I love talking NABWIC. Today's show, we are going to be reviewing the Mentor-Protege program, um, that was our main focus for our August Billion Dollar Luncheon. It, we're bringing it to you in a two-part series because the information was so impactful. But before we go there, let's talk NABWIC for a second. I hope that's okay with everyone because we may have some new listeners, we may have someone that just joined, or we may have a guest that just wants to know a little bit more about NABWIC or you may have fumbled across our station online. So NABWIC, we are the National Association of Black Women in Construction. NABWIC's mission, our mission was founded to increase the national awareness of black women in the construction industry. We advocate for black women-owned construction businesses for contract opportunities. We create strategic um, environments that support educational, entrepreneurial, professional, and social network con- connections. We train the next generation of black women and minorities in the construction and industry. That's why we love, 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 and feel that it's important to put on events such as the Billion Dollar Luncheons. We are basically an organization full of women and individuals that sign the front of the checks and an organization full of leaders in their prospective careers and work endeavors. So our next billion-dollar luncheon, and just some inside tea, it may be a couple of billion. You don't want to miss it. But September's billion-dollar luncheon is a billion dollars in convention centers contracting opportunities. And you know our billion-dollar luncheon is every second Wednesday of the month. And if you want to know more, please head over to Eventbrite Eventbrite and register or www.nabwick.com. 
NavWIC.org. So, since we talked NavWIC for a couple of seconds, let's get on to it, to the show. We are going to be listening in to Mr. William Seed, who is a Senior Vice President, Facility Design and Construction at Jackson Health Systems in Miami, Florida. So in that position, he provides leadership for a $1.5 billion capital program delivering six signature projects in four years, including two new full-service specialty hospitals, renovating My name is Ann McMillan. I am the master builder, helping to build stronger and better lives and businesses. Hospitals to enhance services as the Miami-Dade County Safety Net Healthcare Provider. Mr. Bill C. not only has a BS degree to mechanical engineering, is a commercial general contractor license and a master electrical has a master electrical license. He also has written a couple of books, I think. So you want to listen in and not miss. And of course, during the recording, while you're listening in to the show, if you want to comment or connect with us, please press one on your phone um, or send us a message, and we will make sure we get you on the air in the studio. So let's listen in to Mr. William C. My name is Ann McNeil, and I am the master builder, helping to build stronger and better lives and businesses through this organization called the National Association for Black Women in Construction. As many of you have heard, yes, we are the voice of black women in construction because we said so. And so with that thought in mind, I want to encourage and remind all of you, we host every month a billion-dollar luncheon. So many of you, this is your first time committing to participate with us as we talk about a billion dollars in healthcare industry, and in particular what Jackson Healthcare System has created, which I contend does not exist anywhere in the United States, a race-neutral program. I just want to make it very clear as I set the stage up for Bill Seed because he is phenomenal. But consider this. Just imagine where in these United States in healthcare will you find a billion-dollar program in a race-neutral county that has mentors and protégés and the majority of the protégés look like me? Where are you going to find that? in a race-neutral program. And I say that because this is not Atlanta. This is not any of those other cities that do business with blacks and minorities. We oftentimes talk about diversity and inclusion. Well, I'd like to suggest that Jackson Health System got it right. This is what it looks like. And so as Bill brings his presentation, let me tell you, let me tell you about Bill Seed. I had the pleasure with many of us, had the pleasure of meeting Bill Seed when this program started, and I'll go directly to his resume so that we can make sure we understand really who he really is. Uh, you can read his resume, but I will give you the highlight. Bill Seed is the Senior Vice President of Facility Design and Construction at Jackson Health System in Miami. He has been in this position and the leadership for the $1.5 billion program delivering six signature projects in four years and we're still, we're still in that program now, coming to the end of it. Two full-service specialty hospitals, and I can go through his resume, but you can read it for yourself. But I want to just make sure you understand, he's a phenomenal author. 
I'm reading one of his books right now. Mr. C has published two books, two white papers, and this is creating a transformational change in our construction industry. Many of us, I would say all of us, the mentors and the protégés are beneficiaries, and I'd like to have Larry and all of, uh, all of us, George and everybody who is a mentor and a protégé, we want to give you kudos, Bill. We don't say enough, but we want to publicly let you know how much we thank you because we've all been involved in many programs across the U.S., and I think that uh, with your coming on board, you've taken this whole process to another level. Uh, but let me pay respects to his resume. Uh, in 2014, he was inducted into the National Academy of Construction, recognizing this effort. He has been a member of the Board of Directors and past chairman of the Lean Construction Institute for seven years and was awarded the Pioneer Award in 2012. Along with his BS degree in mechanical engineering, his commercial general contractor's license and master electrical license, Mr. Seed has functioned in numerous roles from physical plant operations to capital and real estate development for two national healthcare systems over 250 combined campuses. And with Bill C. coming on, I also want to give kudos to Mari as we honor her because uh, as quiet as it, as it is kept, she is uh, one of the most phenomenal individuals in this healthcare system. And all of us for Jackson South and any other projects you've had the opportunity to work with her on, no nonsense, right? Uh, Bill and Larry, <laughs> no nonsense, but fair, great integrity. And, and so we just want to continue to say, Mari, we thank you, and we really appreciate you as we highlight you today and we spotlight you today. So with that, as George is smiling, he know I'm right. Uh, but anyway, with that, I'm going to turn this microphone over to none other than Bill Seed. Let's please give him a round of applause as we welcome him to share his presentation on the Mr. Protégé update from this $1.6 billion program at Jackson Health System. All righty. Well, thank you all um, for inviting me and giving me this opportunity to share this um, information and, and the, the sort of long story of the last four and a half or five years of what's been going on um, in the Jackson Health community. Um, as Ann mentioned, we had a, a billion and a half dollar program that uh, will be winding down uh, early this spring with the delivery of the new hospital in Doral. Um, we uh, interestingly brought on six uh, protege firms to help with the program to learn from the mentors and to uh, build their capacity uh, to deliver very specifically healthcare projects in the Miami-Dade County and beyond area. Um, the partnerships look like this. Uh, OHL Ariano is doing our uh, Jackson North campus with the help of MESOM Construction. OHL and, and MESOM are helping on our North campus. Skanska USA had uh, two programs down here on our main campus. Um, unfortunately, one of them got uh, more or less cut at the very beginning of the program when we found out we couldn't afford it all. Um, and, uh, Sagoma finished the uh, floor modernization program down here with Skanska a couple of years ago. Turner is actually working on a couple of our projects, um, working with Ann down on Jackson South, uh, and have finished our rehab building. Um, and Yates Construction is building the 
program at Doral with two protégés, Lunacon and Lego, both very active and such a, such a large job, it gave a great opportunity for two teams to partner with Yates Construction. Interesting statistic that I just learned um, that in the top 100 healthcare construction firms, zero are black owned. Uh, I know that that is a very significant uh, statistic that this organization would very much like to change. Um, I suspect that um, you'd probably have to go much below the top 100 before you found uh, a black owned construction, national, at least national healthcare construction firm, um, and has volunteered to be the first. So let's, uh, let's help her get along those lines. To dig just a little bit deeper, um, you can also see that uh, black-owned construction firms only represent 4.7% of the market. Um, unfortunately, uh, it is a, a white male-dominated uh, industry. And again, I think uh, this organization would enjoy changing these statistics. Um, hopefully, with some of the work that we've done over the past few years, we could change that, at least in our neck of the woods down here in uh, Miami-Dade County. So let's talk a little bit about um, this program, how it worked, and how we organized it, and some of those kinds of things. Um, just to help everybody understand, I'm going to pause uh, at the middle of this presentation to just see if there's a question or two to help clarify. And then at the end of the program, um, at the end of my presentation, I will um, ask for questions for the mentors and protégés who have joined this meeting. I have a few questions, but would enjoy um, the audience participation. So please feel free to uh, enter a question in the, in the chat or um, bring it live when we get to that point. So thanks for bearing with me. Um, we did definitely look at this program as, as three unique entities um, joining the program. And, and wanted to take a look at each of the perspectives from both the mentors, the protégés, as well as Jackson Health System and what uh, our desired outcomes were. Um, one of the things I think we didn't do very well at the very beginning, of course, this was a, a relatively, if not very, unique program that hadn't been uh, tried and tested across the country. And so, as with anything, when you start a, a new journey, you don't really know uh, number one, you don't know what you don't know, but number two, you also don't know where you're really heading, where you want to go. So um, if anyone were to take on another program like this, I think it's very critical at the beginning to define what the stakeholder value proposition is. And again, understanding that there are multiple stakeholders. Um, so to measure success, you have to define that. So if we can't define success uh, at the beginning of a program, it's hard to understand if you're on track. Um, one of the key things that we wanted uh, was, to, was to develop um, the black and minority businesses in this community to become healthcare, healthcare construction providers, um, but that's really tricky to measure. So we, we, I'll go through a couple of slides explaining how we, we hope we went about that. Um, so we ultimately came to consensus with what those stakeholder propositions, value propositions are. Um, and then it's, it's equally as important to share that and care about each other's outcomes, uh, not just your own outcomes, so that we can all collaborate and drive better results. Um, so starting with the owner's desire, um, we wanted, number one, to, to have qualified small vendors. Uh, yes, we are engaged in this billion-dollar program, but that's not the norm. The norm is really uh, two, three, four, five million dollar type programs 
that really won't command the interest nor could really afford the, the major national construction managers. So we're trying to build an, an enhanced vendor pool from which we could select uh, qualified healthcare builders. And so by, by taking advantage of the large program and the use of the national construction managers, uh, our goal was really to train small local businesses in order to be our vendor pool for the future. Additionally, as a branch of the county, Miami-Dade County, um, we're very interested in being a community partner. We think we are one of the anchors in the community and serve the community through our healthcare services that we provide. So we wanted to share back with that community and employ uh, both businesses and individuals for, for, for this program. Uh, we also um, wanted to improve our outcomes, so by training and uh, using a, a, a large program and a, and a long-term relationship, we wanted to improve the outcomes of our facilities and construction that ultimately help improve our patient care outcomes. Um, the mentors really have an interesting uh, stakeholder position in this as well. Um, so the mentors were, were first off, actually required to partner with a small business and take on this responsibility of training them. Um, they also uh, have to have access to a large pool of small business enterprises as we had a 32% requirement for small business participation on these programs. Uh, that's $330 million in small business contracts that had to be let, and so finding those qualified vendors to work on these large programs required the partnership of those in that small business community. So there really is an advantage to the mentor firms to have that local presence and that local knowledge. Um, there also needed to be a compliance with some community workforce, so to, to have small uh, vendor partners that could help drum up interest in the community and find those qualified individuals in the community. Um, the, the mentors needed the help of the smaller firms in this community. And then we, we were hopeful, and, and many of the mentors will tell you that they were also hopeful of future partnerships as they solicit future work, many and, and hopefully even more uh, large capital programs will be more specific about the demand for inclusion in their uh, subcontracting and contracting partnerships. So to create a partnership uh, in this manner would allow future um, business development as a partnership. Now, more importantly, I think to the folks that are listening here, specific to the, to the NABWIC community, um, what is it we wanted uh, collectively for the, for the protégés to benefit from this? Um, you know, first and foremost, a certificate of completion says, hey, look, we did participate in this program, uh, and here we have the proof to show that. Um, as, as I may have mentioned earlier, we did graduate one participant, and they've, they've received um, our recommendations and, and been able to solicit future work because of that. Um, the others who are, who are finishing up their participation will receive the same. Um, they want, want to earn. Uh, Jackson work. They want to be able to come and work and service our, our many, many facilities across the county. Um, some, in fact, have done that already and, and will continue to do that into the future. Um, they also wanted future work at other healthcare facilities. So 
So to have healthcare on your resume makes it far easier to solicit and win future healthcare work, not just at Jackson, but there are several other healthcare providers in Miami-Dade, but many of these, these contractors can also reach up into uh, surrounding counties and, and be able to bring that uh, experience with them in hopes of gaining that work. Um, I think there's also a, a lot of benefit that the protégés can and have, um, a, a, have gained from this program in, in just the broader business knowledge of how to go about developing larger projects, but also many of the skills that are gained on larger projects are germane to the smaller projects. So to have, if you will, a big brother, a big sister from which to learn not just how to build, but all about the business of construction and the business of, of marketing and development and finance and all the other things that it takes to actually run a business, not just build a building, to have a, a large national firm with, with very specific training skills, et cetera, uh, was a large uh, benefit to the protege firms. Um, as well as some of these larger programs, many of the small businesses obviously don't have an opportunity to build a nine-story, 290,000-square-foot building on their own. But again, many of the skills and, and, and individual pieces of those programs will translate into the small library or, or community building that you would possibly be a contender for. So to have that kind of skill and training is, in fact, again, another um, opportunity for, for significant growth for the protege firms. And then certainly not last or least is the personal growth of the individuals who have participated on these programs. So as, as many of these programs have spanned a four or five year period, we have seen a number of people grow from young college graduates to uh, well experienced and on their way to becoming project managers um, or, or senior superintendents or others have got, gotten a great uh, jump start, if you will, to the balance of their career through this program and, and with the mentorship of the individuals out in the field. So I'm going to stop here just for a minute and see if there's any questions about the setup or the um, benefits that this program was intended to, de to de derive. So one of the questions that we have is when we're looking at the value, how did uh, defining the stakeholder value proposition affect management of the program stakeholders specifically and management of the program in general? Well, by understanding what the stakeholders wanted to gain from the program, it then allowed us to put together some, some curriculum and training protocol and, and some what are the high value learning um, categories that would help each of the individual organizations gain the benefit that they wanted. So let's not spend a lot of time working on things that aren't going to add value to the various stakeholders. Let's focus the development of the program on those desired outcomes. So I think that's why it's very critical to understand uh, the desired outcome before you really get engaged into a program in its entirety. Okay, looks like we're good to go for now. And then again, as you have questions, please feel free to put them in the chat. Okay, so let's talk just a little bit about the curriculum. Um, once we figured out that, that we wanted to uh, seriously develop uh, strong participants from the um, small business pool, um, we created um, a, a couple of, well, a dozen or more of, of key topics that we wanted them to learn during the pre-construction process. Uh, small businesses usually aren't relied upon for pre-construction services because they are more 
advisory in nature and without the higher level of experience, it's not very likely that someone's going to call for those kinds of, um, those kind of uh, contributions to an early program. They're also not very commonly used for smaller programs. And so this was, a, I think, a very unique opportunity for the protégés to uh, sort of get a peek behind the curtains, if you will, of how programs are really put together, how um, scopes are defined, and how, how, the, how the desired building is coming together, uh, and how budgets are established, and so forth. So um, you can see all of the various topics that we try to get some level of teaching, training, involvement into with the protege firms um, at, at the sort of feet, if you will, of the mentors to, to help understand how these things all impact their ability to deliver. One of the key things that an owner really, really wants from a program is predictable outcomes. And so if you can get engaged in their program early and predict what that outcome is going to be, have an understanding where it all came from, you have a much higher likelihood of developing delivering upon that prediction which makes, um, makes your services far more valuable uh, for future developments. Um, and, and in any good program, you have to take exams. So we, uh, uh, about halfway through the program, we paused and asked for some self-reflection, self-evaluation, and, and we, we asked everybody to uh, grade themselves against this curriculum. Uh, and as you can see, um, a pretty reasonable group that felt that they were about average in the majority of these topics. Some of them were lacking. Some of them were, uh, they had exceeded beyond that. Now, again, this is a self-evaluation. And so when, when you evaluate yourself, you're not necessarily comparing to others. Or uh, this is really just to say, hey, are we learning what we intended to learn? Um, it, Many programs of, of this size, certainly, uh, they don't have a, a definitive start and stop from pre-construction into the construction phase because we developed approximately 100 projects during the development of this program. We, we called it six signature projects, but embedded within those six is really 100. So we paused midstream and said, what are your deficiencies in learning that you really want to, to close the gap on? And then how can we engage you in the, in the coming programs to, to bolster that learning? Our real goal is for you, the protege, to leave with a, a better toolbox, a better kit from, from which to be able to, to market and perform and, and, and be recognized as a, as a leader in the community. So we did pause. We then went about a uh, I guess I could call it a retooling or, or at least a re-entrenchment in, in another goal-setting round of, okay, how do we then gain in these areas where we're deficient? And so over a, a number of, of future meetings and such, we kept track of are we gaining this experience or not? Again, the, the goal being to, to leave a well-rounded um, small business organization to, uh, to, to be able to, to survive in the market. Uh, and so then, um, as, as we were folks looking forward to the construction process, we also wanted to develop a construction curriculum so that um, you could also be prepared to implement design, to, to implement and drive a project to completion. So we selected again another um, dozen or more topics to help understand what all needs to be done in a program. The last thing we want is for a, a small business to, to take off and think they know 
the totality of the business um, only to find themselves short when they're in the heat of the battle of building their own program. So we developed a, a curriculum inclusive of these particular topics um, along with um, a bit more about how does the contractor interact with the balance of the participants on a program. So um, who is ACA? What is a third-party inspector? And what do we do with these folks? And what is the responsibility of the design team as it relates to the construction portion? We, we all understand there's an architect on the project, but what responsibility do they have to the contractors in order to help them deliver the program? Uh, and then there's, um, you know, no, no general contractor specifically works alone. They rely heavily on trade contractors. So how do they work with the trades? And many of you are those trades. And so how do you work uh, together with the other trades on a program? And so it's fairly dynamic. Uh, and we wanted to touch on each of these topics. Um, and then there's, there's just the overall logistics and management of a project and how does that get done, whether it's a large project or small, the, the, the issues are oftentimes very similar, just on smaller scales. Um, safety uh, now, it, it, with, with the new virus and the pandemic, it, it, it's just almost doubled our efforts. And uh, so now uh, small businesses can, our partners can see the, uh, the dynamics of a safety program. And, um, and then in healthcare, there's so many systems that need certifications, and so how do we then wrap all that up into a total curriculum for the construction program? Uh, and the way we really went about implementing this is, is we had um, quarterly gatherings where the, the mentor, the protege, and Jackson would all come together and check in. We would ask the protégés to come to the table with the learning that they've been focusing on, uh, offering suggestions about knowing what's coming in the future. Hey, if you participate in these following activities, you will gain this kind of learning and to encourage um, the mentors to, to continue as a teacher leader, which is generally not their role at all. They're great at building, but they're not necessarily good teachers. So um, we had to encourage the, the, um, the mentors as well to engage and, and look for those opportunities for their protege partners to learn and grow. Um, we also asked the protégés to um, publicly present to the community at various different um, events as to how their, their process, how their learning, how their growing was happening. And these were all very well received by, um, by the greater community and we're glad to see uh, the growth and the participation in the program. And um, one of the things that, that I think we would be remiss is if we, if we didn't acknowledge that we didn't do everything perfectly and that we in fact learned from various portions of, of our events in our, our program here over the last couple, several years. Um, and we wanted to share those um, in hopes of other folks getting uh, engaged in this kind of a program, but then to bring some of this knowledge to that program with them. Um, and so, um, you know, it all starts off with, with it's hard to learn when you don't know what you don't know. So if we bring in a, a small business and we expect that they know everything about their business, then, then we don't really know. So we created this curriculum uh, to help uh, offer a path. And, and there was mid, midstream correction, as showed by the, by the, the midterm exam and others. Um, 
but it then allowed to, to really entrench a better learning process. Um, in construction managers, really, I mean, they're there to build a building and to, and to understand the business of building that building. They're not grown and raised as teachers and trainers and mentors, so we, we, we want to make sure that they understand that responsibility. I think we did have a number of, of mentors who personally took it very seriously and wanted to see their protege partners grow, not just the, not just the businesses, but very specifically the individuals. I think our mentors uh, did a very, very nice job of speaking into the individual lives of the partners that were on their programs. Um, and so it's also um, quite likely that the on-site staff don't necessarily know what the corporate commitments were. Um, the Turners, the OHLs, the Skanskas are large, large organizations, large national organizations. Um, it's, it's not uncommon for executives to negotiate and, and present when they're winning a project and making agreements, but then all of that information doesn't always make its way down to the actual day-to-day -day players. So, so that information needs to be transmitted and, and, and buy-in needs to be gained by the individuals on the project. Um, equally as important, I think, is, is the protege must be willing to seek learning. Um, if, the, if the protege just wants to come on the job as if it's another job, I, I'm not sure that's a good fit. I, I really think the protege needs to want to learn, want to grow, and then seek and ask for that growth. Um, and then, it's, it, 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 at least in our position, it was the owner's then responsibility to sort of bridge those needs between the, the mentors and the proteges and make sure each partner is getting what they need. So the owner also needs to be equally as engaged in the process. Um, and then one challenge that I think we're maybe at right now in our program is, is how then does this generate new business for our protégés? Because this is really one of the key stakeholder takeaways. Um, there have been some corollary business. I know that um, some of our mentor, mentors on this program have taken their partnership with their protégés and done some other business development and, and project seeking. Um, but how then does the, does the protege firm themselves, in some respects, come out from under the wing of the mentor and develop some business from that? So um, maybe if there's a future event like this, we can come back and share the, uh, the great lesson learned there. So with that, I would like to invite my mentor and protege partners to join the screen and the discussion and uh, answer any questions that anyone may have. And we actually have a couple of questions in the chat. And so I believe that our first question was from Ms. Patricia uh, Bonilla, which I believe she is a one of the mentor protégés. Would you like to share your question, Patricia? Uh, Bill, the question is when you talk about the stakeholders' uh, outcome, right? The, 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 how do you measure, measure success? So when you're organizing this program at, at such a large scale, obviously we can do this for any size project, but when you're organizing this at, at such a large scale and you are defining the outcome of all the stakeholders in, for the project itself and individually for each one of them, what what do you do, lessons learned, what would you do different this time to make sure that these outcomes are trickled down to the, the, the other stakeholders, right? 
So we know construction is it's a it's a it's a business that touches so many people in the in the chain as as they join a project. So how do you capture the 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 people that are maybe they're they're being added to the project or to the process? They do have their own outcomes. How do you make sure that back and forth we understand? you know, the big picture outcome and the little picture outcome. I, I don't know if that makes sense. How do you trickle that information down, down? And how do you measure? How do you, how do you measure it? How frequently would you measure? How, how soon do you, do you change um, what KPIs? Because I believe this can help all of us in our own projects as a company. Well, as, unfortunately, this, this is not a college curriculum, so it's not a long-term developed and, and approved program, but uh, I think any of the mentors, and, and certainly myself, I, I travel and see each of these programs. I know most of, if not all of the folks that are assigned to the, the individuals that are assigned to the program, and so you can, um, you can see and encourage that growth. Um, we have seen a number of individuals be promoted from the role that they came to in the beginning to, um, to a higher role. Um, very specifically, there was uh, Clayton on the South Project who started off as a cleanup laborer and is now an assistant superintendent. So he's, he's made a, a significant career jump. Um, Henry Harden is another one who, who spent some time in the rehab program. In fact, Turner hired him as a, as a, as a long-term employee. Um, and so he's seeing some very significant, um, some very significant growth. Um, Kevin Criado, very specifically on the Jackson West project, is, a, is an assistant superintendent post his college graduation, and so um, and being assigned more responsibility. So I think from an individual basis, it, it it really comes down to that: is are these folks growing, learning, being given more opportunity? Are they asking for more opportunity and taking that and and I think uh, hands down, simple answer is yes, they are growing very much so uh, and, and taking advantage of that from a personal basis. Um, I think, so my question or lesson learned from, from the end of this program would be how then does that translate into um, the, the small business, the protege's individual company growth, um, which is part of the, the way I left that last slide is how now then do we turn that into more business growth and new business growth for the individual small companies. So I think there's there's individual project growth, there's individual personal growth, and then there's business growth that are all being addressed here. Maybe not necessarily measured uh, in such a way that we can say it went from you know score A to score C or something, but but definitely seeing that growth in the individuals in the program. Okay, there you have it. So we're going to go to a quick um, advertising commercial break. And then I was just notified we do have our founder, the master builder, Ann McNeil herself in the studio. So after the commercial break, we'll hear a few words from her and close out the show. Hope you're enjoying it. Today's show is brought to you in part by Ann McNeil, the master builder, helping to build stronger and better lives and businesses, and by PepsiCo Frito-Lay Companies, one of the largest food and beverage companies in the world, and by J. Perry & Associates, giving you the building blocks to grow your business. To learn more about our advertising rates and packages, 
contact Jada Williams at area code 786-702-1005 or email blogtalk at navwick.org. And don't forget to follow us on Blog Talk Radio by visiting blogtalkradio.com backslash N-A-B-W-I-C. Good morning, Ann, and thank you for joining us in the studio. How are you doing? Uh, Awesome, awesome, awesome. Jada, I tell you what, as the master builder, building stronger and better lives, and the founder of the National Association of Black Women in Construction, I could not be more excited today than ever, because to have been a part of the $1.5 billion Jackson Health System bond program which created the mental protege process that we're hearing from Bill Seed, it has been a phenomenal opportunity for five years for us to grow our team and to grow our systems and our processes. And I cannot wait for part two as we continue to bring on many others to share. But what I'd like to do, Jada, and I want to thank all of you, Jada and, and Ursula, Jackie, everybody who's behind the scenes on this program. I would also like to bring on one of our additional NABWIC members, Ms. Esther. I checked in with her prior to coming on and have her come on, others that may have been a part of the billion-dollar program. And for those who are listening to this podcast in the future, Jada gave you an idea of the fact that the second Wednesday of every month, we host a billion-dollar opportunities per industry. In other words, each month we focus on a different industry. And so this particular month, which we are in the month of August, we focused on healthcare industry. Next month we will be focusing on the industry for convention centers. And the following month we're looking forward to focusing on possibly transit and transportation, but in order for us to add member benefits, we also host a Lunch and Learn that's a private Lunch and Learn with the presenter or presenters with our members, and that is how we add a value to our members. And in doing that, we want to make sure that we also add value to our strategic partners. And so if you're listening to this and you'd like to participate with us in any way, shape, or form as a sponsor or as a guest or a host or maybe become a member so that you can participate in some of these wonderful member benefits, you can reach us at our website at nabwick.org. But right now, I'd like to share this moment, if you will, with Esther Lambert, Dr. Lambert, excuse me. Esther, good morning. How are you this morning? And what are your thoughts about the billion-dollar luncheon in healthcare that you experienced with us? Oh, hi, and good morning, and good morning, everyone. It was a phenomenal um, experience thing that we have never had before. Typically, we have someone presenting um, an, an upcoming program. But this one was a real-life experience where we got to experience Bill Seed, an amazing um, program director, and the program that was under him. We met with the 
mentors and the protégés, and we got to understand how inclusiveness of um, team members as important stakeholders of a program um, promotes their growth and development, not just the protégés, but I could see where the mentors benefited. I heard Bill Seed become so excited about how his protégés developed, and that to me informs these larger corporations of how much the programs like these can benefit smaller companies, affect these small companies and um, their communities in general. So it is a program that I am sure those of us who um, want to be involved in would really benefit from it. So if you're interested in joining NABWIC and getting involved with involved with projects such as these that will help to develop the growth of your companies as well as the growth of your individual employees, I invite you to come on board and join with us because luncheons like donation that we have never, we never would have received before. So I hope that uh-huh. answers your question, and Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You know, we have the opportunity to change lives and businesses. And as small businesses, which many of our members are, we are in the business, actually, as the voice of black women in construction, we're in the business of building strategic partnerships and strategic relationships. So when you think about companies such as OHL, Turner Construction, Skanska, and many of the other large multinational firms that are partnering with us in these mentor-protege programs, I don't think many of us really realize that as black contractors, you don't find many of us in healthcare. You find us in transportation. You may find us in facilities like schools. You find us in a lot of different places, but because of the requirements of ACA, you don't find very many of us in healthcare systems. And so, what Miami-Dade County has done has just raised the bar, I believe, for all healthcare systems all over the world to consider what they can do in an environment which is an environment that includes an open competition, open competitiveness, but race-neutral. Let me say that again, a race-neutral program That's what this program, $1.5 billion, was really about. There were no specific race goals for women or minorities or blacks. It was open for small businesses, which majority are white business owners. And so for Jackson Health System in Miami-Dade County to have a mentor-protege program, which the majority of us protégés were black, how does that happen? And so that's what these series of podcasts are about as you continue to join us and listen in and uh, our, our listening audience, because what we want to do is we want to move away from the problem, you know, the problem, the crisis, you know, the knee on the neck, even the COVID, and we want to move closer toward the solutions that would help us 
and small businesses and large businesses create better, stronger, strategic partnerships as we continue to add value to our clients. So thank you, Esther, for participating and all of our other members. And I'm going to turn the program back over to Jada. Jada, thanks again. Thank you. And there you have it. Who could have said it better than no one other than Ann McNeil. And Esther, I um, had the pleasure, Dr. Lambert, of being in one of those breakout room sessions with you, and um, we can't wait to get you back on the show to do a follow-up on your strategic partnership or mentorship and your new member show, which is also a NABWIC benefit. So Esther, Dr. Lambert, we cannot wait to have you back on the show, and my heart is filled, and yes, go ahead. No, I was saying I look forward to it, Jada. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Yes, indeed. So we cannot wait to hear back from you, and of course, always from the master builder herself, Ann McNeil. Thank you for joining us on the show this morning, and I think that's a wrap. Join us every Wednesday, next Wednesday, of course, at 8.30 a.m. This concludes our show. Thank you for listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction. For more information about NABWIC and our membership, please visit us on the web at www.nabwic.org. We are the voice of black women in construction. Have a great and prosperous day.